How's it? And welcome to Taming Tech, the podcast, episode two. I'm Paul Auger. I'm Kathleen Auger. In today's episode, Paul talks to Dugald Duplessis, the IT manager for Tourvest Destination Management. Tourvest Destination Management is part of a group of companies that is owned by Tourvest Holdings, a listed company in South Africa on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. But before we get into that, if you can hear in the background, we actually are filming this on a very rainy South African day. So if you have never experienced the rains down in Africa, and I'm not going to burst into song, today is that day when you can experience it secondhand. Let's not do what so many people do and refer to Africa as a country. Africa is not a country. It is a continent. It is made up of over 50 countries, I believe. And we are in South Africa in Johannesburg, which is on the Highveld in South Africa. And it is known for its Highveld thunderstorms. So it is a rainy day, as Paul said. So there might be some lightning, a dramatic element, um, and a little bit of thunder in the background. Um, if it's not too scary, we, we sort of like <laughs> we'll leave it in. If it's too scary, we'll edit it out because... It is quite scary sometimes. Today's episode is quite an, a, a technical episode. Uh, Dugal Duplessis, as we said, is the IT manager of Turvis Destination Management. And he has a high-level view and gives us a high-level view and an in-depth view of um, two projects that they've been involved in recently. The one is splitting from a comp another company, a sister company, and splitting their structures so that they could have complete autonomy over the operations and the IT infrastructure. The second project that they worked on was moving from on-prem Microsoft Exchange to Microsoft 365. And in today's episode, Paul chats to Dugalt about what was involved in that, the planning, the reasoning behind it, and Dugalt walks us through it. What they achieved, what was successful, and the challenges they had. Um, I think we all can relate to projects never go 100% smoothly. There's always something that happens. Um, so yeah, so it's a really interesting episode, a little bit more in-depth in terms of technology. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot, bunch of you out there that will really enjoy it. Um, I relate to this from a completely different perspective. Um, I've been involved in companies where we were separating financial systems um, from one company into different different companies, and it's it's arduous and the things pop up and crop up, and I think that's that's what I related to when Dugald was speaking um, in this episode uh, about the the separation of the from the sister company and the project of moving from the on-prem to the cloud solutions. The thing that you need to know is that. If you are a person that is trying to do this, if you're trying to split, if you're trying to move from on-prem to the cloud, the most important thing, and this is emphasized in the episode, is planning. You can do the same planning 15 times and make sure that you are absolutely certain about what you want to do because when the button actually is pushed to do the migration, it, you, you can't really turn back. Yeah, so it's kind of like that... I don't know if it's DIY or it's a carpenter's thing, measure twice, cut once. Yep, except this is measure 15 times. Measure 15 times and, and then, also test 25 times Yes. and then hit the button, so to speak. As a Dugalt, how are you doing? Hi there, Paul. All good. Thank you very much. Your side? Yeah, I can't complain. Can't complain. I do, I do feel like... Um, 
I've got I've got my first in-person meeting happening next week. Um, I haven't had an in-person meeting in what six seven months, so um, yeah. I'm 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 doing well. I'm sort of like this whole new normal thing, and sort of like doing these these Zoom calls and everything like that is what I'm used to. And having an in-person meeting is going to be a bit weird, but yes, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. And you? No, all good. Eh? I'm also used to virtual meetings, but I do go into the office every now and again. I won't say regularly. Okay. Um, so yes, this is the new norm, I guess, you know, virtual meetings. Okay. No, cool. Cool. So what we like to do is we like to start off each of these uh, podcast episodes with a couple of quick questions, just to sort of like get the ice broken to get people onto the same page and get a little bit about you. Okay. So in your own words, when you're ready as fast as possible, no pressure whatsoever. There are no <laughs> wrong answers except for the ones that are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, Android versus iOS, which is your preference? iOS. Okay. We're not going to hold that against you. Um, <laughs> social networks, which one do you use? Are you a Facebook person? Are you a Reddit? Um, I'm not a Facebook person. I do have an account though um i'm more of an instagram person twitter that sort of thing so yes i want to control the people that i follow okay. um you know where i can draw energy from so i don't necessarily want to see what paul is eating today and where paul is going tomorrow hence uh, i stick to instagram and twitter okay i'm going to i'm going to so start posting things on instagram about what i'm eating now i think that's definitely gonna happen <laughs> um okay do you are you a real book ebook or an audio book kind of guy give me a real book um real newspaper i like the feel of you know of the book of a newspaper i don't know what it is about it but but yeah uh give me give me something that i can hold okay so the nostalgia element the smell the sort of like the weight Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So the smell of a newspaper, I just love that. Uh, the smell of a new book, um, there's just something about it. So, so yes, I'm not an ebook person, okay. strangely enough. Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I lose concentration when I read an ebook. Um, that's why I'm saying, give me, you know, something that I can hold. Well, I think I think there's the the danger element when you've got a real book. If you're lying in bed and you're watching, uh, you're reading a real book. If you sort of like fall asleep, it is going to crack you on the head. So there's a danger element. <laughs> so, so that is yeah. it. Keeps it interesting. It could be. It yeah. could be. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely a real book. I I, I just love the feel of it. Yes, and the smell That's of cool. it. Okay. Um. Last great TV show, show or movie that you've watched? Um, more of a series person. Movies. Okay. You know. Um. Nowadays, I watch all the kiddies movies. So, so series, Barbie goes I, do, to, I, I do watch. Barbie goes to uh, play school or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But more, more the boys stuff. So, okay. so yes. Um, but but yeah, I'm into series um, and and um, sports. So okay. yes, I love my sports. Okay, what what sports are you? Cricket, rugby, cricket, rugby, golf. You name it. Um, I go through. I flip through all the sports channels. Okay. It has been a bit of a challenge over the past seven or seven or eight months yeah. with no sport on the TV or, or live sport that is. Yes. So, but yeah, at least things are picking up again. Okay. Well, the I can watch rugby. I can watch some cricket. I I don't think I've ever understood the the, the point of watching golf. 
Um, it just, it just, it doesn't, you, you just follow the ball. That's all. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. Um, and then last one, if you could have, uh, if you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, what would that be? Um, I think that would be love, Paul. Um, so it's not going to be data or anything like that. It's going to be love. I, I just feel <laughs> that everyone needs love and uh, an abundance thereof. So yes, whether it's love from family members, uh, friends, you know, everyone just wants love. And I think That's love just makes the world a better place. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yes. Okay. Let's let's like let's move on before <laughs> we start getting fun. too cheesy there. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and obviously in the preparation for this um, podcast, I um, I stalked you a little bit on LinkedIn, and I saw that that before Tourvest destination management, you worked for a provincial hospital. Are you happy working under that kind of stress? I mean, you worked in a, in a hospital. You're now working in a corporate environment. Stress is obviously part of, of what you do. How do you cope with that? That's a very good question, Paul. Um, how do I cope with stress? I think, you know, I try and, and, and stay calm in, in, call it stressful situations. Mm. Look, um, when something goes down, whether it's in a hospital or whether it's in, in, in uh, the travel industry that I'm working in now for, for, for tourist destination management, um, when something goes down, it's stressful. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I try and focus at the task at hand and not think so much of the impact it has got, um, whether it is on lives. Um, look, uh, the systems that we controlled at the, at the hospital didn't really impact lives um, as such, you know. Um, but, but yes, it, it's part thereof of the service that you're delivering. The same with, with, with the um, with Tuvis destination management. I try and focus at the task at hand um, and, and obviously try and keep level-headed, you know, because that's the best way to, 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 to look at a problem. Um, I don't know how I really do it, to be honest with you. A, a lot of people tell me I'm very, very calm in, in stressful situations. Um, but yes, I, I just try and, and focus at the task at hand. Would, would your staff have a different idea of how calm you are or sort of like would they agree with you? no 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 i think i mean they've even mentioned it to me my boss has mentioned it to me as well um that i'm very calm in in stressful situations and and i think that's just you know that's just who i am i okay. don't get worked up easily unless i obviously watch sports that's that's a completely different story <laughs> okay. um but 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 yes i think that's just the type of person that i am you know i i stay calm um Obviously, you know, some people know which buttons to press, um, but, but, but generally I'd, I'm just a calm person. Okay. Okay. I like it. So you, you've been at, at Tourvest Destination Management now for 12 years. Um, right. Now in those 12 years, I mean, we're in 2020 now, so in 12 years, that was like 2008. In 2008, everything was on-prem and the internet wasn't great. Um, what, what are the, the, the changes that you've seen in those 12 years at, at Tourvest where you sort of like you've gone from on-prem, you've gone to the cloud now, what are the kind of changes in technology um, have you seen that have sort of like impacted on you? The, um, the entire network has changed. Um, like you say, the internet wasn't great at the time. I remember when, when I started at Tourvest Destination Management, we, we had a link of, of uh, I think it was a one meg link 
and G at the time we thought it was fast. We thought it was fast and it was flying. Um, we had a lot of dial-up connections, you know, to other branches, etc. So uh, just the network entirely that has changed completely. I mean, the different uh, technologies that are currently out there that that one can use um, to build your infrastructure, to build your network. The systems that we were using, um, the on-prem exchange, for instance. Um, I remember when I started the we had a problem with the exchange um, almost every week uh, to say, and, and it was stressful at the time, as I mentioned before, you know, when something mm. goes down uh, a system such as, as email, for instance, you know, that's, that's very important. Um, then, then, you know, you run, you run. Um, so a lot of technologies um, have changed over, over the past, uh, call it 12 years that I've been with Twitter's destination management. And if I look back, um, from the time that I joined to to now and what we've got and what we've changed, we've literally changed everything. We've literally changed everything um, from the links, from the entire network design, um, from the servers that we've used. All of those, um, as you mentioned, everything is in cloud and that's where, where we tend to move now. So we've also moved a lot of our services into the cloud because that's just, um, you know, I think that's the future. That's yeah. the, the, the new way of, 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 of doing IT. Okay. And when, when you sort of like you started, there was probably like a, a server room in each of your locations and things like that. What, what are those server rooms being used for now? Are there still on-prem servers in there? Are they sort of like just the routers? Um, are they storage? So, yes, we, we, we do have the um, server rooms at all our, at all our branches. Um, we've still got our, our file servers there, um, a lot of our file servers. Um, our storage, of course, you know, those are obviously things that we're looking at moving into the cloud at the moment. So we've okay. taken our first steps. So we've moved our, our mail into, into, um, into cloud. So next in our service, so we've adopted the, the cloud solution as such. So Office 365, those sort of things that those are all the technologies we're looking at. Um, we were planning this year on moving all our infrastructure that's at our at our head office, uh, Twitter's destination management head office, all our infrastructure into the cloud, and then COVID it. So yeah. that's obviously put a span in the works. So that is still our future plan, definitely um, moving all our services into the cloud, um, into Azure, um, using all the Office 365 uh, functionalities. So yes, that is our plans and uh, we still have, have server rooms. So whether it's been used for our file servers, our routers, our switches, those sort of things, yes. Okay, okay. Now, the, the, the actual point of this podcast was to sort of like get your, your feelings about um, your project that you've just finished. So you've just done a project where you've actually um, separated um, two companies. Um, you've separated ADs, you've changed from um, exchange server to office 365 i mean that's that in itself is a massive massive project and then you've got covid and you've got running normal day-to-day -day things um so <laughs> the question i have is how are you still so calm um what, what 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 is the reason behind this why did you actually do this um we needed to to split our domain, um, we had a, a wide area network that we shared with our sister company, Tourist Travel Services. Okay. Um, at the time, we wanted, you know, to align our ITs and our infrastructure. Um, at the time, it was working. It was working great. And I normally, 
explain to people um, or, or service providers that, you know, we were happily married. Um, it was a happy divorce, but we needed to to, to uh, divorce just purely because of different business requirements. Okay. We didn't want to hold each other back with, um, you know, uh, technologies that we wanted to to bring in, for instance, the Office 365 solutions, you know, moving to the cloud, et cetera. So we've shared a lot of, of infrastructure together, like, like for instance, our firewalls, our Active Directory, um, the Exchange servers, APN, VPNs, all of those uh, sort of infrastructures we've we've shared. And it was very difficult for us to, you know, make changes and, and wanted to go a, a certain route without having impacting tourist travel services and, and vice versa. So okay. we needed to to to, to split um, the infrastructure, the domains, etc. So so that we can obviously you know um, go our way and they go their way. As I said, happily we were happily married. Um, still a very good relationship. It's just purely um, from a business point of view, we had different requirements and and business needs. So I, th I think that the. The quotes of this podcast so far is happily divorced. I'm, I'm quite, like, quite like that so far. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the planning involved in that must have been ridiculous. I mean, you must have started planning this a year ago. We did. It was about a year before the project actually kicked off that, that we started planning because we needed to understand what is it that we want to do and, and, and want to achieve, first of all, and then, you know, have a sort of roadmap. How are we going to get to that to that goal or that dream that we had? We we needed to redesign our entire WAN. Um, what are we going to do in South Africa? Are we still going to go with an MPLS network? Cross-border, are we going to go MPLS? We know cross-border MPLS is, you know, it's, it, it's costly. So yeah. are we going to go IPsec tunnels? Are we going to go SD-WAN? What are we going to do? And at the end of the day, you know, we we put down that that dream on a board, and we said, "How are we going to achieve this this dream, or how are we going to turn this dream into reality?" And okay. we mapped out literally, you know, how are we going to get this step by step, you know, uh, the different subnets that we're going to use. What are we going to do? Going to do with our regional offices? So some of those regional offices, like for instance, in in East Africa, we've got offices in Uganda. In Kenya, we've got two offices in Nairobi and, and Mombasa. Um, we've got Tanzania. All of those basically draw services or, or get certain services from, from Nairobi. So are we gonna are we gonna design the network around that and then have that traffic, you know, hold back all the way to South Africa? Are we gonna go the IPsec tunnels? Is there gonna be a specific hub in 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 those regional offices that's gonna be call it the core site? Um, so a lot of, lot of planning went into this, yes, and, and it was a massive, massive project for us. Um, so we carefully planned it before we, we obviously started going down that route to say, okay, now, now we're just doing it. So we planned and we tested and we planned and we tested and, and when we weren't happy, we deleted the entire configuration and we went back to the whiteboard and, you know, redesigned it and retested and all of that. So. So yes, it was an exciting project, I must say. Um, yeah. It wasn't easy. We had our challenges, of course, um, but at the end of the day, I think it was it was successful. I think I think we'll we'll come back to the challenges just now. And um, the the rest of Africa that you guys are operating in, how does the internet look in the rest of Africa? I mean, here in South Africa, we've we've got fiber now and it's like decent enough internet. Um, I mean, I've got a hundred meg internet at my house. 
um, which is exciting. But what does the rest of Africa look like? I mean, if you're talking about MPLS, you're talking about um, IPsec, you're talking about all of that kind of connection. You need to have decent enough internet to, to be able to handle those kind of connections. The internet connection is, is it's quite stable there, I must say. Um, they've got good connectivity up there. Um, okay. It obviously depends where in Africa you are. Um, but in, in all those countries where we've got a presence, the internet connection is, is, is one, it's, it's, it's uh, I won't say cheap, um, but it's, com it's comparable with, with, with South, South Africa's. Um, and then two, it's stable. Um, I, I can't remember when last we had a link down in any of, of our offices um, in Africa. So they've got quite good connection uh, or connectivity up there. I must, I must say that. Um, pricing, as I said, it's as good as South Africa's. In, in some of those countries, it's even cheaper than what it is in South Africa. So, okay. so yes, um, uh, we don't have any problems with, with internet connectivity in, in any of those countries. And you, you're doing RPSEC in some of the countries, you're not doing anything like SD-WAN or anything? No, we're not. At the time, we wanted to go SD-WAN and we thought, mm, you know, the technology is still a bit new. Maybe we should wait with it. Um, and we just went IPsec um, all the way, you know, um, back to our core site in South Africa. So, so, so what, once wherever SD we go, wherever we go, so wherever we go cross border, we we said okay, we're going to go IPsec. So SD WAN is where you've got different connectivities um, together with your firewall. You bundle those to, those connectivities yeah. into one, and uh, you can then obviously burst across the two, etc. Um, and then all the traffic back to 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 um, whichever side it is that you want. So so yes, it's it's basically functionality on your on your firewalls as such, uh, where you can go with different service providers and you can bundle that into one uh, connection as such. Now with with this planning, you obviously don't want to be in the situation in five years time where you go, oh hell, we forgot about doing this or we didn't sort of like put this in place to do anything like that. So. How do you how do you plan for the flexibility? How do you plan for the fact that in five years' time you might want want to move away from RPSEC or sort of like just go to SD WAN? How do you sort of like say, well, we've now separated our two companies? Um, I mean, it it, go, it might go all the way back to even how to name a a new Active Directory. Um, what what is what is that kind of planning involved? That sort of like to get that kind of flexibility going in the future? So uh, we sat around the table or around the whiteboard as such. And uh, funny enough, you mentioned um, the AD name. So, and we thought, gee, what are we gonna call our AD? You know, I mean, it's easy just to go to this, or not to this destination management, but, but rather the acronym TDM. Um, and there you go. But because we are a multi-branded company, uh, we've got a lot of domains. We've got a lot of domains uh, registered as well. So we needed to make sure that we don't end up with a situation where we've got split DNS. We wanted to keep our internal DNS uh, completely separate to our external DNS. So we needed to think carefully about, you know, what we're going to call our, our, our domain. Are we going to go with a subdomain? Or are we just going to go with a domain that's registered that we know we're not using, but, but we've registered it? Uh, what are we going to do there? So it, it, there was a lot of planning. I mean, exactly the same with, with our connectivity to our other branches. Are we going to go IPsec? If we want to change it, how easy would we be able to change it? What sort of firewalls are we going to go with? Um, you know, all of those sort of things we needed to, 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 to think carefully about. 
because what we said is that if we want to change anything in the next 10 years, we should be able to do so, whether it be our firewalls, whether it be our active directory, whether it be our internet connectivity or, or, or the method in which we connect to, to um, our active directory, all of that we needed to take into consideration. So yes, a lot of planning um, around those topics and we needed to make sure that if we want to change anything in the next 10 years, for instance, uh, how easy would it be for us to change? So, so yes, Paul, it, uh, look, we, we'll never know whether we've got all those answers uh, until obviously we hit something yes. along the line where we want to implement something or we want to change something and it, and it might not be that easy to change or, or to implement. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I mean, we've we've done migrations. I've done a migration um, from ADs or split ADs um, to split different companies and things like that. Um, I think one of my favorite parts about splitting an AD or sort of like starting an AD from scratch is the is the blank space or the blank slate of it, the the possibility of what it can be, the the designing of the OU structure um, to sort of like figure out everything, the security groups and and that stuff. Now. You're, you're dealing with how many staff? So we migrated, um, call it about 750 users. Um, objects, easily 10,000 objects. You see now, that, that's that, now starts, security that starts getting, and, and everything. That starts getting exponentially more and more challenging. I mean, I, I, I don't want to sort of like sound weird here, but how big is your whiteboard? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, really, really plainly for this, um, and and I'm very pedantic when it comes to my Active Directory. I'm I'm really pedantic when it comes to that. You know, as you as you mentioned, having a clean Active Directory that's that's what everyone wants. That's what everyone wants, and we know how easily it can you know run away with you. Yes. So, for instance, uh, the Office three six five groups. If yes. you create a team now or a SharePoint site, you know that. Office that it creates and it writes that back into your active looks, it 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 really it irks me. It, it it makes my blood boil if I see you know what those groups look like. Yes. So it's those sort of things because um, I like and I well I love a clean active directory because if I want to go into my active directory. I want to be able to see exactly you know any object anything that looks weird and and it's easy to to pinpoint where a problem is if you've got a clean active directory and not having to to go and look for something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we were sp speaking earlier about the challenges. What are, the, what are the, some of the challenges that you actually had in the, in the migration? Um, one of the biggest challenges, Paul, was ADMT, so Active Directory Migration Tool we used. Um, yep. We used that in, com in combination with um, another tool, um, ProfileWiz. So active, di active Directory migration tool, that ADMT tool just stopped working for no, no reason. Um, you would be busy with a massive, massive uh, migration of, let's call it, you know, a thousand objects. Yes. And halfway through it would just bomb out. And you with, don't know where no, it stopped. With no reason. No reason. With, with no, no explanation, with nothing. nothing. Yeah. Well, they give you a log file and that log file is about, you know, a hundred pages. And now to sift through that <laughs> uh, and find the problem is going to take yes. you forever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so that tool would just stop working for no apparent reason. 
um, then you would, and it's not just as easy as, you know, opening it up and, and carrying on. So it would stop working. We have to reconfigure that too, basically yeah. from scratch, reconfigure yeah. it. And it happened about two or three times with us, you know, during, during a migration. So those were, well, that was the biggest challenge, I would say. Um, also, another one was um, security translation. So wherever we've got these big file servers, um, when we ran the, the security translation on the ADMT tool, so that's taking all your permissions across, you know, or, or um, migrating all your permissions uh, to the new domain uh, yeah. using the same file server, some of those security translations just didn't filter through. It would do half of it or a quarter of it. And, um, you know, you're never going to find out up until obviously someone complains that, yeah. hey, I don't have access to this. Um, so at the bigger sites where we've got uh, big file servers, that was a bit of a problem for us where we had to, you know, basically wait for someone to complain and say, I don't have access to, to this folder or that file, et cetera. And then yeah. having to go and, and, and redo the permissions on, on those specific, specific directories. So those were quite, you know, big challenges for us. Um, also the amount of downtime that we had. So, so we needed to, to, to plan um, for this migration. And obviously there would be downtime because uh, we changed the whole MPLS or we changed the, the, the entire IPsec, you know, and, do, and doing that switch over um, required downtime. So I think that, you know, you only realize when it's Sunday evening, 10 o'clock, uh, that you're going to run out of time <laughs> and yes. Monday morning, everyone's back at, back at the office. Um, so those were the challenges that we had. Um, also, you know, we've had, I think we had like three profiles that just completely lost those profiles, user profiles that is. Okay. So where the profile was didn't work, the ADMT tool didn't work, you know, it would do the migration. It would say the migration is successful. When you log onto that machine, that profile is just gone. It would be, it would be creating a new profile basically for you. So, so yes, um, those were the, the sort of challenges that, that we faced. So now with the, with the migrating of the profiles, with the migrating of um, the ADs, the things that didn't work, were you able to trace back anything that's like said, well, these are profiles that we created on Windows 2008 R2 or something. Um, and those are the, the three that didn't come across properly. Or was it just random things that, that happened? It was just random. So we obviously at first, when, when the second one, when we hit the second one, we wanted to look for similarities between the two machines. Is it, you know, using the same operating system and the same version of that operating system? Um, Windows updates, those sort of things. We've looked mm. at, at basically everything and, and we could not find anything. We could have missed it maybe. Uh, but we could not find anything to say that, you know, this is the exact reason why uh, this particular profile did not migrate across. With, with this kind of move, obviously you've got you and your staff that are, are involved in the, in the planning and in obviously the, the practical moving computers to different domains and, and things like that. How many staff actually were part of this that, that helped out with the move? whether it's at your at, um, premises in Stanton or you've got your other branches and things like that. So how many, how many are you looking at? So at our branch in Stanton, we used um, seven of our staff. So throughout the entire project, it was mainly the, call it the infrastructure team that worked on this um, because it's, it's mainly the active directory, the, the, the WAN as such, 
that that needed um, you know all those skills. When it came to the actual migrations of of the machines, we used all our internal resources, IT resources, okay. um, at all the sites where we've got our our, our resources. Um, we've we've roped them in, so we've basically made use of everyone that we've got when it came to the actual migration of of the um, user machines. Um, on the on the higher level, so you know the object migration, so your security groups, your distribution list, your user migrations, those sort of things. Um, it was mainly the infrastructure staff that that uh, dealt with that. This this move, would you recommend? What would you recommend to people who are planning something like this move? Would there would be there something that you should like say? Okay, now stop before you do anything, and think about this. If people are separating from other companies, if people are looking to go from on-prem exchange to Office 365 or Microsoft 365, as they're calling it now, what what would your advice be? Would your advice be run away or plan? <laughs> um, I would say plan. Make sure that you know you're not just doing this migration for the sake of it uh, because you want to break away. Why are you, or ask yourself the question, why do I want to do this? What do I want to achieve? So put down what do you want to achieve and then obviously map out how you want to achieve that, that, that dream or that goal. So yes, I mean, it, it obviously depends how you're going to do your migration, but, 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 but yes, it's, it's, it's something that needs careful planning, careful planning. That's, you know, planning and testing. I, I cannot emphasize that enough is, is the planning and the testing it needs to be spot on it, it really needs your planning needs to be spot on and, and your testing you need to to really you know not just do two three machines uh, test two three machines or, or migrating uh, two three profiles or you know those sort of things really do your testing you know like proper 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 testing see what happens on your dns level um, make sure that you don't sit with a situation where you'll have split DNS. Think about your 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 name of your Active Directory. Um, think about how that will tie in if you've got plans to move into Office 365. Uh, will it be you know, your tenant name? Would it be the same as your Active Directory name? Think carefully about those sort of things. So yes, that's the sort of advice that that I can I can give others. You know, um, we've been through through the pain. Um, and yes, uh, as I said, it was an exciting project. It really was. So how has this impacted on your, on your IT team or your infrastructure team? And instead of sort of like having people that were working on exchange the whole time, you've now got Office 365. Have you redeployed them? Are they, re are they trained up in different ways? Have they got, what, what is, what does the, the team look like now? Has it changed? So I would, it, it hasn't really changed as such a uh, poor. So it's still the same team, but I would say they are multi-skilled now. You know, instead of only focusing on Active Directory now, for instance, uh, we've got someone, you know, that same person looking after Active Directory and, for instance, the firewall or Active Directory and Exchange Online, um, those sort of things. So I would say it definitely has helped us in terms of upskilling the staff, um, you know, as they now, they, they multi-skilled now, you know, across all those sectors, Active Directory, on-prem, um, Azure Active Directory, uh, Exchange Online, etc. Yeah. So, so yes, it has it has it has really really helped us a lot in terms of you know skills development. And with with this this migration now that you've got a nice clean Active Directory, hopefully, 
um, you've got Office 365, you've got your firewalls, you've got your MPLS, your IPsec. Is it is it simpler now? Is the is the whole way that you're managing your network simpler? I mean, does it feel better? Do you breathe a sigh of it relief? It definitely, it definitely feels better. Um, and 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 most probably why it feels better is because we're in control of our own destiny now. Um, is it is it easier to manage? I, I don't know. It it you know before we've we've done this whole migration. We had shared, as I mentioned, shared infrastructure, and some of those responsibilities didn't lie with us as TDM. It was uh, with TTS, so for instance, the firewall. We we never managed the firewall as such. It was it was done. It was a role and, or responsibility on the Tourist Travel Services side. Um, now that obviously sits with us, so it's more responsibility. Yes, um, is it easier to manage? Yes, it is because when we want something done, we don't have to you know wait for someone at, at the Tourist Travel Services side to you know get a gap and, and do it for us. We we obviously jump straight into it. Um, but it's definitely more responsibility. That's that's for sure. Um, it feels good to be able to to manage, you know, your own services. As I said, mm. you in control of your own destiny. The the migration of the AD. There's obviously tools to do that. That even that they're not the perfect tools. Um, to migrate the firewall. What was that like? Because firewalls, there's rules by the hundreds of thousands, there's ports that are open, there's redirect rules, there's everything. Um, mm -hmm. what, what firewalls are you on right now? We currently use FortiGate firewalls. Okay. Um, we, we shared a firewall with two of his travel services. Um, that was a Juniper. So the migration of the firewalls, that was, that was quite fun. I must say that was fun. <laughs> it took us about a week to just do the rules, okay. uh, and 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 I'm and I'm not exaggerating here. So we had one set of of um, external IP addresses and one subnet as such. So we needed to make sure that you know we're moving across. So we're taking all our services of the firewall or all our rules of the firewall and needing to implement that on our side but with a new set of, of, of subnets that, that have been given to us by, by, by our service provider. So it's still the same service provider, but they now needed to, to split that out for us. So that was quite fun. It, it literally took us about a week and there's, there's no real tool to help you as such. Um, no. You know, you do get tools um, that they, they claim that it's, it works. Um, we have tried a couple and I can tell you now it, it, it does not work as, as well as, as what they claim. So a lot of it was manual. A lot of it was manual. We needed to set up that basically our firewall from scratch. And we don't just have five or 10 rules on that firewall. We've, we've got literally hundreds and hundreds of rules. So, you know, it, it, we needed to, to, to plan carefully for that as well, because you cannot really go and test that on, on call it a test environment, because it's, it's live services that are running on that. You actually only gonna, gonna find that out when you implement those rules. So we've created all those rules, and as we, you know, um, put a new site onto onto this new Active Directory and MPL, our new MPL is, um, we needed to go and test all these rules then to make sure that you know. And it's impossible to test every single rule, of course, um, but we needed to test the main services that that, that that's filtering through or, or or the traffic that's filtering through that 
that firewall. So we were able to do that, you know, as we brought a site um, uh, live on, on the new MPLS, we, we could test certain services. So I can tell you now that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Well, I think, I think if you're looking at, at some sort of tool, exporting all the, the rules from the old um, firewall, putting them into the new one, you've got a split between your company, Tourvis Travel Services, and um, they've got certain rules, you've got certain rules. And um, on Juniper, going to FortiGate, um, it just, I think it actually might firstly be simpler to do it manually. I think secondly, yeah. it might be cleaner to do it manually. Correct, um, correct. Because you kind of go, well, we don't actually need that rule, that rule's stupid. Um, or correct. Might. So, so th that's exactly what we did is we, we exported all our rules that we've got on the, on the, that we had on the Juniper Firewall. We exported everything and we went through those rules line by line and we said, is this actually, so we in fact did a audit on, 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 on all our rules and say, do we still need this rule? Do we still need this service? Um, do we still need this uh, um, virtual domain that we, for instance, uh, ran on the, on, the, on, the, on the firewalls? So all those sort of things, we, we, we looked at it carefully and we said, hmm. you know, we, we as such did an audit on, on, our, on, our, on our firewall rules. Um, and once we were happy, we obviously then went to the new firewall and we implemented it on the new firewall. Okay. Now, they, obviously you're talking about testing and, and testing on a, on a firewall with live things, it's, it's much more challenging. Where, where you're doing the testing before the migration on your servers and connecting endpoints to the, the servers, were those actually real machines or were you doing it all as virtual machines? Like so we had real machines? Mach sure. So we had, we set up a, a test AD um, okay. at first. Uh, we built a test environment for us. Uh, we had a test AD on there. We tested with virtual machines. We tested with, with, with actual physical machines as well. You know, and, and which better way to test than with your own machine? Because then you're going to feel the pain <laughs> if, if something is not working. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we've done. That's what we've done. We've literally done that. Um, we've built our test environment and we've built it and, and, and then we deleted it. And then we've rebuilt it because then we were not happy with something. And then we deleted it. We weren't happy with the DNS. We deleted it and all those sort of things. We, we're not happy with this subnet that we've created on, 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 on our DNS, for instance. Um, then, then we deleted it. And we, that's how we tested with, with physical machines, with, with um, virtual machines, that's how we've done it. Okay. So, so yes, and once we were happy with that, we then went to our, call it our new environment, and we said, this is now how we're going to build it. This is what we're going to call the domain. This is what our Active Directory will look like. Uh, these are the services that will run on, on, on our domain controllers. These are all the points where we'll have domain controllers or all the sites where we'll have domain controllers. This is where our primary domain controller will be. This is where our secondary will be. These are the subnets that we'll use at those sites. Um, and, and yes, uh, this is how our replication will work on, on Active Directory level. So, so yes, a lot of a lot of planning and a lot of testing went into. And now, now that this is up and running, this is now your baby. So, what kind of what kind of change management do you have going forward? Like, if someone wants to add a user, um, and they're not spelt right, or sort of like a um, a way that the email addresses are formed. What kind of change management are you actually looking for to sort of like beat people over the head if they don't actually do it properly and mess up with your beautiful AD? <laughs> so we've got change management in, in, in place. Um, so we obviously get, a, let's say, a new user starts um, or a new staff member starts and we get that new user form. 
So that gets filled in from, from HR side, it goes through our HR system, uh, it automatically then logs a, a request on the support portal on our side. And um, the guys literally go copy and paste because uh, mm -hmm. you know it's easy to, 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 to make a spelling mistake when, when we type it out. So we basically go copy and paste, but based on the uh, change control that we've got, yes. Um, we are looking at implementing new procedures now where we give the ability to, you know, our, our, our human capital or HR department as such, where, where they can create those users, you know, as they fill it in on the HR system, that it automatically gets written into AD uh, with a proper control, of course, in place so that it gets approved by one of the IT staff members. So we are looking at those sort of things, um, you know, the turnaround times would obviously then improve. Yeah. Um, they then disable and, 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 and uh, enable accounts when someone leaves. HR is obviously the first to know about it and they can then set an expiry on, on that user account um, mm -hmm. and it will then do everything in Active Directory together, you know, write it through to, to um, Office 365 uh, or Microsoft 365 and delete mm -hmm. that um, mailbox in, in Exchange Online, etc. So we're looking at, at implementing all those sort of uh, changes on our side, yes. Yeah, look with the the change management app. Just if you if you said to me HR is going to be in control, it just terrifies the hell out of me. So I'm sort of like I'm I'm pleased you put in the there's going to be change management and approvals and and other things because yes, having someone right. else touching my AD, oh, it, it it freaks me out. Now, as I mentioned, we're very pedantic about our Active Directory. Any system that we implement, and we hear that if we hear that, that thing writes back to AD, we want to know why. Yes. Can we not change that? We we want one directional from AD to whichever system. We don't want yeah. it to write back to our to our active directory. So we're very pedantic about those sort of things. Yeah. So so yes, those uh, Office 365 groups um, and the you way they look. Uh, well, we do we do, and then there's no way to stop that because yeah. we, we we need it, um, and it and it creates a distribution list as such. Yes. So, but but just the way that I, I don't know why Microsoft could not you know have done it differently. Um, yeah. but maybe, maybe those changes are still coming. Um, uh, but at the moment I'm not happy with, with, <laughs> with yeah. some of those, uh, Office 365 groups. Yeah, no, absolutely. They are terrifying and they're long and scary looking and they're Correct. made by Correct. people and they're not spelt right. And it's like, it's just, it's oh. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you are, you're dealing with tourism Um, you're dealing with yourselves, you've got partners, you've got millions of different people all over the place, you've got end users through those partners. How do you, how do you collate all this information? I mean, you're doing um, accommodation and adventure travel and group travel and uh, logistics management and a whole bunch of other things. How do, you, how do you collate all that information to some sort of a manageable platform that people can actually deal with and interact with? So we've got a, a lot of systems in place, Paul. Um, for for us as or for me as the IT manager, it's, it's important to make sure that we've got the platform or the infrastructure to support those those systems. Um, but yes, we've got a lot of, of a lot of systems in place um, that would deal with with all those um, scenarios as such. So yes, for, for, for me, and I'm, I'm not really involved in the system side of things, so, so more on the infrastructure side. So my job is just to make sure that we've got the infrastructure to support those, those systems. Okay. Your job as IT manager for tourist des destination management is 
supporting the travel industry of South Africa, the travel industry of Africa. That is a beautiful thing to be a part of. It's, I mean, I love South Africa. I love traveling through to Africa. Have you realized how that is your, your roles actually impacting on people's fun times, their holidays, their experience of our country? So yes, Paul, I do realize that um, I do play a role, um, whether it is behind the scenes, yes, uh, but I do play a role in, in making someone else's dream reality. And, it, and it, it's a good feeling, you know, being part of that puzzle. Um, as I mentioned, yes, I'm behind the scenes in, in making that dream a reality, but, but I do play a role. And we've got such a beautiful country. Um, and, and we just want, or I just want people to visit our country and, and see the beauty, you know, and not just the country, but the continent. Yes. So, so yes, it is an, it is a nice feeling. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's say the listeners are from the U S from the UK, from wherever, what, where would you recommend that they come to? Is it, is it our shorelines? Is it our bush? Is it the rest of Africa? What, what would you suggest to them? For me, I, I, I just love the bush. Um, my wife's not going to agree, agree, agree with me there, but I just love the bush. So for me, you know, the Kruger is always, always a winner. Um, I, I, love, I love the Kruger, um, especially the, the, the Sabi Riverside. So that for me is, is, is that's my love. Uh, or oh, I won't say my love, but, but that's where I would go um, if okay. I visit South Africa. Um, and where would you ask? Some might, might differ with me. My wife would, would obviously go to the beach. She's okay. a beach person, you know. Give her the beach any day of, any day of the week and um, she'll happily go. For me, okay. I'm, I'm the more The West Coast, East Coast, and Durban, Cape Town... Eastern Cape? So my wife, Western Cape side, definitely. Um, okay. She loves the Western Cape, um, especially the, the South Cape or the Southern Cape as such. Uh, Western Cape, yeah. the water, a little bit cold. Um, but, but yes, so Southern Cape, your, you know, Garden Route, Muscle Bay, Neisner, uh, George, uh, that area, yes. Oh, beautiful, beautiful areas. But thank you, Dugald. That was brilliant. Um, Thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Um, I don't, I'm not jealous of the fact that you just went through this. I'm jealous of the fact that you got a nice, beautiful Adina and things like that. <laughs> what, what, what would you recommend or advice would you give to anyone who's sort of like, who wants to, who's listening to this and going, I'm, I'm sort of like an IT tech and I now want to sort of like get to where Dugalt is. What, what is the, what is the, the direction that you can sort of like you can point them in what is the is for me it's always you know as as it people we always tend to you know want to do everything i want to i want to look after the exchange or i want to be in networking i want to be in in programming is my for me it's like finding your first love um what is it that i want to do um you need to specialize in something so i cannot be you know a programmer and uh a uh, sort of network uh, administrator as such. Um, find it what it is that you that you love or where your passion is. Um, once you you've discovered that, um, then sort of map out a a direction for you. Where do you want to specialize in? Is it uh, infrastructure um, as a whole? Do I want to specialize in, in in security? So firewalling as such. Um, what is it that 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 I want to specialize in? 
Um, nowadays, it's it's easier, you know, to to specialize in in sort of or not specialize, but but to touch on all those sort of areas like um, security, um, networking, as such, um, domain level, mm. with with uh, everything being in the cloud. So it's easier, you know. I can I can do Exchange Online. I can do Active Directory in Azure, for instance. Um, I can do firewalling there. I can I can basically do everything um, or, or, or learn a little bit about everything. But but you know that obviously falls under the call it infrastructure umbrella. So so find it find what it is that you love uh, or what you want to specialize in, and then um, and then take it from there. Brilliant, brilliant, Dugal. Thank you so much. Um, where can we get hold of you? Where can we get hold of Tourvest? Um, and how do we get more information about you guys? So, you know, we've got a website, www.tourvestdm.com. Um, all our information on the website, um, I'm personally on Instagram. I mean, Tourvest Destination Management has got an Instagram page. We're on Twitter. We're basically on all the social media platforms. Uh, you'll find all the information. I obviously don't know all those handles, but you'll find all the information on our website. Perfect. I'll put them into the show notes as well, just so that everyone can get that. And thank you yeah. very much. Thank you, Dugot. That was brilliant. And uh, I hope that you have a, a great morning further. Thank you very much, Paul. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, nice chatting to you. Nice chatting to you too. So I think that you were quite nerding out there with Dugot quite a bit. I think you quite enjoyed the, the nerding out aspect of it. Um, I think that you were drooling, obviously, um, about the clean um, Active Directory. Oh, it was good. Um, we don't get enough clean Active Directories in the world. It's sort of like they're all, you sort of like you inherit an Active Directory and you kind of go, I don't want to deal with this. I want to have it clean. Yeah, and I know you really enjoy how you set up an Active Directory. Um, being a coder, an ex-maths teacher, you really like logic and you like that sort of fall of logic. You know, mm. how teachers always just tell you at school and maths show your workings. You really like to be able to see the logic in a setup. Mm. I, um, went, I went to a, a Active Directory that we were setting up and it was with a, an IT provider and they set up, it was at a school, and they set up different OU structures. And one was for the teachers and one was for the pupils and one was for um, the other stuff, the, the supporting stuff. And there's certain ways I'd like to name an OU structure like that. Or, and they went in and they said like they, they called the students or the pupils OU kids. And I don't know, it just it frustrated me. It just like it's, it's, it's not a professional way of naming things. There must be some sort of thought involved when you're naming an AD. And if that's the only lesson that you take from this and you are setting up an AD, please think about the guy who's going to be taking over from you. Think about something logically. Think about it and plan a little bit further ahead than just, oh, that seems fine for right now. Yeah. I think also with your experience of schools, you really understand the horizontal and the vertical structures on a school. Mm. So when you're setting something up like that, you understand exactly how it needs to work and who has access to it and so you can name things better um yeah that's true i think that you also enjoyed when you were talking to dougal the whole security aspect and um, the firewall and the rules and that sort of thing i mean that was yes. insane a week just to set up and write the, the rules i think you said 
um, yeah, so I think that's, yeah, but I think that there was also a joy in Dugald about having that autonomy and relishing the, the challenge and the experience in these projects. I think that was, that was really great to see. And I think for people um, like myself who are less technical um, in, in that aspect of technologically technical um technologically technical, technical yeah. i like it um i think that it's yeah he was re he really enjoyed it and it's really and he, he used the word passion when he was giving advice find out what you passionate about and pursue that um and i think that that really came out that he's passionate about it and he really enjoys it mm. um and i thought it was interesting he is a very calm person and when you meet dougal he's very calm and cool and collected but when it comes to something like this, that passion comes out that he, he really enjoys it, which is really good to see always in anybody. doesn't matter what a person's position is, when you bring passion to something, it's really good. With, with IT managers and IT people in general, what you will notice normally is that when someone is in charge of IT, they are fully responsible for things working or things not working. And the thing that, that Dugald has done is he's taken control of what he's doing He's taken responsibility for it and he's planned for five years, 10 years down the line for what is best for the company. And people who are not IT managers or who are not running an IT, an IT network um, won't understand that kind of pressure. There's a hell of a lot of pressure that you, that you put on yourself that other people, the external people put on you. But there's also a joy when it does work. There's a, there's a, there's a joy and there's a passion and there's a way that, I mean, we spoke about it in the previous um, podcast episode where as a teacher, when you feel the, the penny drop for a, for a particular student, it, that inspires you. And when something goes right in IT, that inspires you and sort of like puts you over the edge and sort of like says, okay, cool, that's, gonna, that's going to keep me going through the negatives or the, um, the hard times. And that's kind of why I enjoy the IT is that there's, there's ups and downs. It's not a boring thing um but it's sort of like it it once once it is right and once you get it right it really the sense of achievement is unraveled well i wouldn't say unraveled but okay um i think that uh, the thing about it is that when it works it's in the background and you don't notice it and that's really what you want to achieve it's the same thing with websites you don't want the user to experience the clunkiness or the change or the shift in technology um, and I think that's also something that's really important in IT, when, certainly for an IT manager, is that balancing mm. the needs of the company and the operational requirements and the technology with the user requirements. So there's always that balance. Um, in the old days of IT and web design and infrastructure and that everything was about the people who had all that technical ability that could only, they were the, the guardians of, of the IT galaxy. Um, they were the only ones who could access it and it had the sort of mystery and mm. magic and everybody else was nonplussed and if you didn't have your own personal uh, techie friend then you were completely stuffed. Mm. Um, now we've seen a shift more towards the user experience and how users interact with stuff. Yeah, just um, to be designed for designers. Yes, Now exactly. it's actually designed for, for the users. end users. Yes, yeah, exactly. I think one of the things that came out from this episode is not only the planning and the testing 
for the actual projects and the move, but also, as you were speaking about earlier, about uh, predicting the future a little bit. Um, what are we going to see in the future? That's what Dougal had to ask himself and his team. What are we going to see in the future? How are, we going, how, how are our needs going to change? And how, does our, how do our IT systems and infrastructure change with the needs of the company? So that's a little bit of fortune telling that I think has to happen um, in, in business in general and in, in IT. Yeah. And um, we all know that IT, everything changes so quickly and you know there's going to be change. There's not a question about that. So it's trying to predict that. I do think something that's made it much easier for managers and business owners is this move away, move into cloud solutions where it just gives you that flexibility that you didn't see before with the really intense capital um, outlay required for hardware. Um, so it's not that hardware intensive anymore. And I think that's given big companies like Tourvest and Tourvest Destination Management this flexibility. And it's also given um, a, a one-person entrepreneur, a SME, um, whatever, it's just given everybody way more flexibility and I think people really want and demand that flexibility now, which is really great and it's great for business and it allows you to change and to pivot um, and to meet the needs of your company and your clients that much quicker. I really enjoyed speaking to Dugalt and Dugalt, thank you so much for your time. In the next episode, we are going to be talking to Marilee Portas. And Marilee Portas is one of the founding members of Dubé Portas, who are medical social workers. Dubé Portas is a company that's seen extreme growth over the past five years that they've been around. And we explore how they've grown, the technology and how they've used technology to facilitate that growth, and um, what, how they've been affected by COVID, as all companies have, but especially for them who are frontline workers working in hospitals. So please join us for that episode. It is really nice to see the, the humans behind the technology and humans affecting others while using technology. So to find us, you can find us on Taming Tech on YouTube. You can find us on Taming... Spotify. Yes, Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, Android Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And if you don't know where to remember all of this stuff, you go to taming.tech forward slash two and you will find all the information there. And if you want to subscribe to us and you want us to email you every time we have an episode coming out, go to terming.tech forward slash subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much.